0: All right, turning your Bibles to John chapter 16. We are coming to the end of what is known as the upper room discourse, because at least it begins in the upper room during Passover. It, it appears they, they move around at some points during that. But it's this section of dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples right before he dies. And so we're gonna finish that up today. It ends at the end of John chapter 16, and then John chapter 17 next week moves into Jesus when he he starts praying for his disciples. So we're actually gonna pick up from John chapter 15, verse 26, just uh, those last couple verses, and read down through all of chapter 16. So follow along with me, if you will. John chapter 16, but starting a few verses earlier. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, The spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no longer. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you'll see me no longer? And then after a little while, you'll see me. And because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, and so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no longer? And then, after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I have come from the Father and entered the world and now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, well, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come. When you will be scattered, each to your own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father's with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So you've heard me say before. When, when people in the ancient world, when they write, when they talk, when they give speeches, when they teach things, they don't do it like we do. To us, it sounds very repetitive because they tend to go over and over and over the same things. We're, we're taught to be direct. We're taught to make our point, get right to it, list everything out. That's not how these guys talk. So if you've thought back to all the things that Jesus has talked about you noticed he's just talking about the same things again. He's talked before. Many times we noticed about he's going away and he's coming back. And he says that again here. And he's talked many times about the Holy Spirit. And he talks more about the Holy Spirit here. And he talked about the world hating us and being persecuted. And he talks more about that here. Each time, you know, I call them loops. Every time you loop through something in this world, you add a little bit. You tell a little bit more. You you don't just tell everything all at once. You, You say something and then you talk about something else and then you come back and you say something else. You just slowly but surely keep adding up what you're trying to say. So, We're going to unspin what Jesus says today. Instead of doing it his way, which is a little of this and a little of this and a little of this, you know, he talks about the Holy Spirit and then he talks about persecution and then he talks about the Holy Spirit and then he talks about going away and then he talks about persecution and then he talks about the Holy Spirit. We're just going to unwind that and put it all together the way we would. So what does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit? He's going to tell us a bunch of stuff we've already heard. And then he's going to tell us something new because that's the way they talk. That's the way they make an argument. So what do we hear about the Holy Spirit? We hear verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I'll send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Yep, heard that before. He's the advocate, or maybe if you have a different translation, it might say the helper or the counselor, or if it's a more literal translation, it might even say something like the paraclete, because that's the actual Greek word John uses, the, the paraclete, para beside clete to be called. It's somebody called to your side. Maybe they encourage you, maybe they admonish you. Sometimes they give you a good swift kick in the pants. They rebuke you if need be, but they do what you need. They're there to help you. They're your advocate, he says. He comes from the Father. He's the spirit of truth. He testifies about Jesus absolutely, we've heard all of that. He goes down in verse um, verse seven in chapter six and he talks about, you know, I'm going away and then when I go away, the advocate will come to you. Yep, absolutely, we've heard that as well. Verse 13, when he comes, the spirit of truth, he'll guide you. He won't just speak what he says. Got it, he's just repeating all the things he's already said about the Holy Spirit. What does he say about the Holy Spirit in this passage that's new? that we haven't heard before. The first thing is at the very beginning. In verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I'll send, yep, got it, we've heard all that. Then verse 27, he says in verse 26, you will testify about me, verse 27, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. We haven't heard that before. We've heard that the Holy Spirit's gonna testify, the Holy Spirit's gonna do these things. We've heard that we need to obey but now he tells us something else. We also are gonna testify. The Spirit's gonna to testify to us, and we are to testify. Now, testify's not a churchy word, right? Witness, don't hear that as a church word. It means exactly what it means in our world. To witness is to say what you've seen. To be a witness. To testify means to say, this is what happened. This is what I saw. This is what I know. It's not a religious word at all. We are to tell what we know to be true. We're to tell what we've seen, just as if you were testifying in court. Where were you on this night? Did you see these things? You would testify. You would be a witness. John says, we're gonna do that as well. And then notice what he says about the Spirit when you get a little further down. He speaks in verse eight about the Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. We've not heard that before. Like we've not heard that the spirit's gonna interact with the world. We've heard he's gonna interact with us but he's also gonna interact with everyone else, John says. And part of the reason that the I'm reading from the NIV Bible, part of the reason they translate that word helper, encourager, whatever it is, as advocate, is because John's using legal language. So in my Bible, it says, prove the world wrong. Your Bible might say rebuke or refute or convict or something like that. Because the word means exactly what it says. It means to prove someone wrong. But in a law court, this word advocate it's the defense attorney. It's the guy who's pleading your case. In a law court, this word to prove wrong, it means to cross-examine someone. You know how you watch the, 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 the you read the stories. Somebody gets up there, you know, like, where, where were you on the evening of June 17th? You're like, oh, I wasn't feeling well. I, I went to bed. I was asleep by nine. I was home. And then the, the attorney comes up afterwards and goes, you were at home all night that evening. Really? Well, um, what about these, these tickets we have in your name to a play? right? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, I I didn't go. I was sick. Well, isn't this your signature on the will call list? Oh, well, that must be somebody else. Well, what about these pictures from the camera in the theater? Isn't that you? You're proving somebody wrong. They've said one thing and you're cross-examining them. You're like, no, no, that's not what happened. You're not telling the truth. You're wrong. John says the Spirit is going to do that for the world, The world has its ideas about what is right and what is wrong, and what is good and what is bad, and the spirit is going to be the one to show them. uh, No, you're not right. You're you're not doing that. You you don't. You don't really think that. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't work. Now, notice the spirit is going to do that, not us. What are we going to do? We're just going to testify. We're just going to say what we know to be true. We're going to say what we saw. We're going to say what we heard. We don't got to convince anybody. We're not going to make anybody believe anything. The Spirit is going to do that. So as Tim was saying, we've got this, you know, a Seder we want you to invite your friends to. You don't have to convince anybody that Jesus is the Passover lamb. You just have to say what you know to be true, what you've seen, what you've heard. The Spirit has to convince people. Invite people to our our Sunday morning service. You don't got to convince anybody that Jesus rose from the dead. That's not our job. Our job is just to witness, to tell this. This is what I saw. This is what happened to me. This is what I think is true. It's up to the Spirit to convince people. I hope that's encouraging. Like I hope that makes you say, "Oh, okay, right." Let's be disciples, make disciples. It's the spirit that convicts people. It's the spirit that proves people wrong. It's the spirit that says, "No, that's not right. That's not the way you should think." All we are, John says, our job is just to testify. This is what I think. This is what I believe to be true. This is what I've seen. This is what happens to me. That's the first big topic he covers is the advocate The second big topic he covers is persecution. Again, he's told us this before. The world's gonna hate you. It hated me. You're my servants. It's gonna hate you. So notice the things he tells us about persecution. Verse two, he says it's gonna happen, right? They're gonna kick you out of the synagogue. Here it is. It's all coming. Down in verse 20, Jesus says, hey, guess what? You're gonna weep and the world's gonna laugh at you. that's what's going to happen you go on down a little further in the end in verse 32 when Jesus is talking about it you're going to be scattered all of you are going to be apart again he's told us all this before the world's going to laugh at us and hate us we're going to be persecuted we're going to be scattered if you go back to where he starts in chapter 13 and work your way through you'll see all those things what does he tell us that's new what hasn't he told us yet what as he goes through it again what is he adding this time Well, the first thing he's adding is specifics in verse two. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. Like he hasn't told us anything specifically. Up until now, it's been very general. Oh, the world hates me, they'll hate you. The world didn't listen to me, they won't listen to you. And now he gets very specific. They're going to kick you out of the synagogue. He's talking to Jews Everybody in that room is a Jew. They go to the synagogue to worship. And Jesus says, they're gonna boot you out. In fact, he says, they're going to kill you and think they're serving God. And what I find so upsetting about this is that the people who are doing it, they're, they're your friends. These guys go to the synagogue. The people in the synagogue are gonna kick them out. The people who kill them are worshiping God. God. This isn't the outsiders who who hate you and want to hurt you. This is the insiders. They're going to kill you because they want to serve God. And they believe the best way to serve God is to kill you, to get rid of you, to silence you. Jesus has told us the world is going to hate us. And now he's told us we're going to hate each other. And if you have been in the church for any amount of time, you know That the pain of being hated by the world is so small compared to the pain of being betrayed by your brothers and sisters. By people that you go, in their case, you go to synagogue with, right? And then they turn on you and they give you the boot. Jesus says, it's not just gonna be the outsiders who are doing this to you. It's gonna be the insiders. It's gonna be the other people who worship God, just like you. The other people who go to synagogue, Most people in the Roman Empire do not go to synagogue. Only Jews go to synagogue. It's your fellow Jews, Jesus says. They're gonna give you the boot. It's gonna be insiders as well as outsiders. I find the things that he says about the Holy Spirit to be really encouraging. Okay, it's not my job to convince anybody of anything that's the Spirit's job. I just gotta say what happened to me. And wow, I find the things he says about persecution to be really discouraging. People who, who say they love God People who say they serve God, oh, they're gonna come after you sometimes. And again, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you've probably seen that. It may have happened to you, it may have happened to somebody else, but you have seen people go after each other just as Jesus said we will. So he talks about the Holy Spirit. That's the first big one he talks about, warns us about persecution, encourages us about the Holy Spirit, warns us about persecution, even from the inside. And then the third big area that he said over and over again, I'm going away, I'm coming back. I mean, again, he said that like at least half a dozen times and he picks it up again here in verse five, right? i'm going away to the one who sent me if you go on down from there into verse 16 in a little while you'll see me no more and then you'll see me again in verse 22 jesus says so it is with you i will see you again you will rejoice i'm going away i'm coming back he said this over and over again now what is it that's different because these things i'm going away i'm going to the father yep I'm coming back, you'll see me again. Yep, we, we've heard that. We've heard that several times. What, what's the new thing that he adds in this loop about him going away and coming back? Joy. He says joy five times in this passage. He says it first in verse 20. He says, you will weep and mourn, the world will rejoice, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Verse 21, when the baby's born, she forgets her anguish because of her joy. Verse 22, you will have grief, but you'll see me again. You will rejoice and no one can take away your joy. Verse 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. We haven't heard that before. We've heard he's going away. We've heard he's coming back. We've heard he's going away and it'll be good for us because the spirit will come. We've heard he's coming back. He's gonna take us to be with him. We've never heard that he goes away, but we are going to have joy. How? How are we gonna have joy that Jesus has left? Again, put yourself in these guys' shoes. The authorities want to kill them. Like when Jesus said they're going to kill you, that's literal. As far as we know, that happened to 11 of the 12 apostles. They were martyred. Only one died of old age. They're going to kill you, Jesus says. They're coming after you, but you will have joy. How? How are you going to have joy? And it's wrapped up in everything he said so far. Look at the times when he says why you'll have joy. In verse 22, now's your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Now for these guys, that was literal. Jesus died, he came back from the dead. They literally saw him. But Jesus tells us later that he's talking about all believers. He's not just talking about these guys when he says these things. How do we see Jesus? Well, he told us previously, the spirit. Through the spirit. If you're a Christian, you have God's spirit dwelling inside you. And Jesus told us, you will see me through the spirit. The spirit will show me to you. Even when he's away, you will still see him, he said, because we have the Spirit. And that is a joyful thing, he tells us here. And then look at verse 24 ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Jesus says three times in this passage, ask in my name, ask in my name, ask in my name. And again, we've heard that before. We've talked about what that means. In my name isn't something we just tack on to the end of a prayer because it's this magic phrase. And if God hears that, he's like, oh, well, I guess I got to answer that one. You said the magic words. Like in your name happened all the time in this world. It hardly ever happens in ours. Told you the only thing I can think of is the police coming and saying, open in the name of the law. Now, what does that mean? It means that that police officer is acting under the guidance of the law. He or she is acting in the authority of the law. Because normally you're not allowed to just go into people's houses. It's called trespassing. But the police officer can do it if they've got the warrant or whatever it is. They're acting under the law's authority because the law has told them to. For us today, instantaneous communications, I wanna send, I wanna talk to somebody, I, I email them, I text them, I call them, whatever. I don't need to send anyone. But in this world, no communications? Almost everything happens in someone's name. When that Roman centurion, there's a story where there's a riot going on and a Roman centurion leads his troops down there and he stops the riot. How does he stop the riot? Well, partially, they've all got swords and spears And partially it's because he will say something like, stop and disperse in Caesar's name. What that means is he stands for Caesar. Caesar's in Rome. He's weeks away by by the fastest boat you could find. But that soldier stands for Caesar. He has Caesar's authority. He's doing what Caesar wants done. And so he speaks in Caesar's name. Jesus says, pray in my name. Pray in my name. That means we pray what he wants done by his authority. We're praying the things he wants us to pray to do the things he wants to do. And it all happens by his authority. But Jesus says here, you will have joy because you will ask in my name and you will receive. Like if we ask in God's name, Jesus says, oh, God will do it. You absolutely know God will. We'll do it. Even though Jesus is gone, even though there's persecution, both internal and external, Jesus says, we should have joy. We should have joy because we still see Jesus through the spirit. We should have joy because we know the father listens to us. He Even, we'll talk about this in a minute. He says, you don't need me to talk to God for you. You can talk to him on your own. Now, nobody this age would think you can just talk to a God. You have to have some sort of intermediary. Jesus says, no, not at all. You can talk to God and God will listen to you. He'll do what you ask when you ask in my name. We should have joy. Now, I've told you before, as we talk about how do these guys set up arguments, look at the very last verse, verse 30. I have told you these things, he says. Go back and look at verse one. All this I have told you. Remember, they often bookend things. They, they say a phrase and then they pick up that exact same phrase again. I've told you these things, Jesus says. I've told you these things. And their conclusion's not in the middle. There's, excuse me, their conclusion's not at the end. It is in the middle. For us, we are tempted to read, take heart, I have overcome the world. That's Jesus' conclusion. That's what he wants you to do. That's where all of this he's been talking, I mean, since chapter 13, right? That's the conclusion. That's where it comes together. It all comes together with be encouraged. Okay, don't get me wrong. You should definitely be encouraged. You should definitely take heart. Jesus has overcome the world, but that's not his conclusion. That's not what he wants you to remember. That's not the last thing. The conclusion's gonna be in the middle, in between the bookends somewhere. And in this case, we don't have to like count verses and paragraphs and try and work and figure out you know, where do they come in and go out and all that other stuff we've talked about. He tells us what the conclusion is because he uses this phrase in verse 20, very truly I tell you. And I've told you, if your Bible may say truly, truly I tell you, or again, if it's one of the more literal ones, it will say what he says, amen and amen. But what Jesus literally says is amen, amen, I tell you. And amen is a Hebrew word. They use it the same way we do. They use it at the end of something. You know, somebody says something you really like and someone shouts out, amen, right? Which means, yes, that's right. That's the truth. I agree with you. But they also put it at the beginning sometimes. Amen, and you say it, which means this is the truth. This is important. Listen to this. Jesus tells us what is his conclusion. What does he want them to remember? He says it in verse 20, listen, Guys, listen, this is important. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. It's actually two times he says, amen, amen. And this is the first one. And notice, there's nothing conditional about this. He's not saying do this. He's not saying check this out. He's not saying if this happens, then that will happen. It's just a statement. He says, guys, listen, this is important. You are going to weep. You are going to mourn. You are going to wail. It's going to happen. And the world's going to laugh at you while you do. That's a done deal. It's coming, he says. And your grief will turn to joy. That's a done deal as well. It's coming. It's not going to change. It will happen, Jesus says. And scripture affirms these things all the way through. That yes, as he said, you will have persecution, you will have trials, you will have trouble as a follower of Christ. And the day is coming when Jesus will set all things right. Sooner or later, one day he will return. And then scripture says things like, he'll wipe every tear from every eye. All sorrow, all sighing, all grief, it will all go away, all of it. All grief will turn to joy. But as we've said before, we live between those two points. We live between the time when he left us saying, you will have trouble. And we do. And the time when he returns and puts all things right and there's nothing but joy. It is completely, entirely joy. He has gone back to the Father. We do have trouble. One day he will return and set things right. But so far, it hasn't been today. But as I frequently tell him, it's it's a long day. There's plenty of time. He could still do it today, but we're not there yet. We live in the middle. So notice the other time that he says, amen, amen. Verse 23 in the middle. Very truly I tell to you. So again, he's saying to his disciples, guys, listen. This is important. You need to remember this. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And we need to unspin that a little to understand a little more of what he's saying. It's a conditional What he literally says is, if you ask the Father for something in my name, he will do it. But did you hear the word if? If you ask. Because you don't have to. That's not a done deal. Suffering In the world is a done deal. Jesus returning and setting all things right and there being nothing but joy. That's a done deal. That has nothing to do with it. It's kind of like what he says at the end. Take heart, I have overcome the world. It's gonna happen. But what we have in that intervening time is verse 23. This is what he wants to remember. If, if you ask my father for something in my name, he will do it. That's what Jesus wants us to remember. That's his conclusion. That's where it's coming together. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Absolutely. But that's not where we sit. We don't just sit here being encouraged in the midst of a fallen world that yep, Jesus has overcome. We pray. Just like what we did for the nights. We don't just sit there and say, "Well, yep, the nights are going, that'll be great. One day Jesus will return, it'll be good. Don't know what it's going to be like today." We pray in this intervening time between when Jesus has left and not yet come back what he says to us his final amen listen this is important is you can ask for anything in my name God will do it you know anybody ever want to ask somebody out for a date but you didn't know what they'd say and so you're kind of like, uh, oh, you know, you don't want to get rejected. You're not sure. And so you try and work out this chain. You ask your friend to ask her friend to ask her, right? Hypothetically, I know this guy. And if this happened, right, you're trying. So imagine you're watching this movie, right, with with the, the hero. And he's trying to gather up the courage to ask this girl in his class out because he thinks she likes him, but he's not sure. And he, he's afraid of rejection and all. What happens when the girl walks up to him in class and says, ask me to the prom, I will say yes. What are the next words out of his mouth? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Will you go to the prom with me? Right, it just comes rushing out of him. Why, he can't fail. She's already told him, I will say yes. There's no, you're not going to fail, nothing bad. Ask. That's what Jesus is saying here. Ask. Because if you ask in my name, if you ask what I want, the things that I care about, oh, God will do them. He will say yes. Now, brothers and sisters, it doesn't say He'll say yes that moment. It doesn't say He'll say yes that day, that week, or that month. There's no time frame put on this. But He will say yes. That's the last thing Jesus wants these guys to remember, and it's what he wants us to remember. We live in the intervening time. We are waiting for him to return and set all things right. Until then, we wait by prayer. We wait by asking. There is a war on in Ukraine. God is the God of peace. So we ask him in Jesus' name to bring peace. He will do it. I don't know when. I don't know how. But scripture says he will say yes if you ask in Jesus' name. How do you know what Jesus wants? Read. One of the reasons I tell you to read scripture all the time. Read, learn how he thinks, learn what he cares about. Put his words into your heart and mind day after day after day. You will start to realize what he cares about, what he wants. You will start to pray things in his name. And the other thing is ask the spirit. That's what Jesus said. My spirit, I will give you my spirit. He will show me to you. Ask what you should be asking. Ask what you should be praying for. We want peace in Ukraine. Ask Lord, Lord, how should I pray for this? What do you want me to ask you to do here? We want these things to happen in the church, Lord. How do you want us to pray for this? Holy Spirit, show us. Because that's how we live now. In these intervening times between when Jesus has left and he hasn't come back yet. In the times when we do have trouble inside and out, we ask because he promises If you ask in his name, he will say yes. So I am gonna pray for us. That seems fitting at the end of this message. I'm gonna pray for God's spirit to be speaking to us. What are the things he wants you to ask for? What are the the places where he wants to do good? You just need to ask. You need to invite him. Remember, this world, scripture says, it's the kingdom of the evil one. God gave it to us, we gave it to him. It's his world, and God isn't kind of come barging in, generally. Oh, but if we invite him, <laughs> then he's got the perfect excuse. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God's Spirit to speak to us, where what should we be praying for? What should you be praying for? What should you be asking? Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I appreciate. that that this is your final conclusion. When you finish up talking to your disciples, this is the last thing you tell them is really, really important. They need to remember that if they ask your father for anything in your name, you will do it. God will grant it. Uh, Jesus, I I readily, I forget that. I forget that all the time. I I do not pray with expectation and confidence because I'm, I'm like that guy being scared to ask the girl out because I'm afraid you'll say no. I'm afraid it won't happen. I'm afraid I'll be disappointed. Holy Spirit, show us what to pray for. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would do exactly what Jesus says you will do, that you reveal him to us so that we know what you want us to pray for. What are the things you want us to ask you for so that you can do them? Holy Spirit, speak to us as we, as we take communion in a moment, as we pray more again, as we sing again. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Where? Where do you want us praying? What are the things you want us praying for? How can we pray in Jesus' name? You know all the things we desire and that we want. What are the ones we should pray for in the name of Christ? That we come in Christ's authority. We come bearing his power, and his goodness. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Speak to us this week. Show us, show us what to pray for. Show us how to pray. Show us what, what matters. Where can we speak and pray in the name of Jesus so that God the Father says, yes, I will do that. Absolutely. And we ask this Holy Spirit in your name, because scripture says we should do it. So I am 100% confident you want this. So in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Now let's close, as we always do, by taking this meal together, this representation. You know, Jesus says to them, you can talk to God. You don't need an intermediary. The only reason they can do that is because of what he's going to do on the cross. Up until then, you absolutely needed an intermediary. You could not go to God. You were sinful. You were separate. Everyone on the planet knows that. No one marches up to Zeus's statue in the temple and says, hey, Zeus, I'd appreciate a favor. You go to a priestess. You bring a gift. You need an intermediary to come between you and the gods. And Jesus says, no, not for you, not any longer. You can just talk to God the Father and he will say yes. That's because of what he's done, what we're about to remember. So I'm gonna pray over us again quickly. When I'm done praying, just hop up and go to any of the stations. There's a station in each corner. If you need gluten-free, that's down here to my right. You can pick that up there if you need it. Otherwise, go to whichever one is closest. Get the bread, get the cup, bring it back to your seat. Don't take it yet. I will lead us and we'll all take it together. So let's pray again. And Jesus, thank you. I mean, we know the truth of what your word says. The only reason that we can do this is because of you. The only reason your father listens to us is because of what you did. Our sin does not separate us from him anymore. You have dealt with that. Thank you. We are so grateful. Lord, we do exactly what you told us to do now. We gather together and so we remember. We remember what you have done. That all of this, everything you're telling your disciples, it's all possible because you are going to the cross. Thank you. We remember Jesus. Amen.